Justin, if y'all are wondering why we sing praises unto him, because he's been good to us. He's been kind to us. He has been better to us than we could ever be to ourselves. And oftentimes we need to be reminded that we need to sing praises unto him. The many things we probably sing about this week. <clears throat> and we need to make sure that we rightly adore and honor him as our heavenly father. So we thank the men for leading us in worship this morning. Amen to them. And we give glory to God. <clears throat> Because without God, we don't have voices. We have nothing to adore. We have nothing to sing praises unto. And so we exalt him even more than we exalt the men who the Lord has used this morning as a gift to bless us. And for that, we say amen. Amen. I greet you again in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ, uh, in the absence of our lead pastor, Nate Bishop, who is now serving, being the hands and feet of the local church in Zimbabwe uh, this morning. So continue to pray for him. Uh, as he preaches, as he teaches and preaches uh, multiple times, uh, I, I assure you he's probably going to preach up, teaching upwards of 20 to 30 times while he's on the ground there. So pray that the Lord will give him strength uh, to do that and that he would rightly divide the word of truth even amongst the, even amongst the believers that are there in particular working through translators. So, so pray uh, that the Lord will give him strength this morning to do that. There's a different rhythm of teaching and preaching where you have a translator. So, so if, if, if you can remember, uh, pray for him as often as you can over these next few days. And not only Nate, uh, but, but also the other brothers and, uh, and, uh, that are there with him as well. And sisters that are serving the brothers while they are there. Uh, and so keep, keep them lifted. Um, let me pray for us. And then we're going to jump into 1 Corinthians this morning. Uh, chapter 3, looking at verses 5 to 9. And, uh, and I'll ask you a four-word four question, and it will make sense of the text this morning, and it is, what then are we? That's the question that we'll deal with this morning, what then are we? So if you would pray with me, please, uh, then, we'll, then we'll dive into the text. I want to say one more, one more welcome and, and greeting to our visitors this morning. It is always good to have you with us, and if you know Jesus and you're just visiting from another church, then we welcome you, and thank you for being with us this morning. And if you don't have a church home, we'd love to talk with you more about what it means to be, become a member of this body. We'll have a moment for that after the preaching this morning. Amen. Let me go to our Father this morning. Lord, you are kind and you are gracious. Our Father, I only stand here because you give me legs to stand. It brings me great pause, Lord, every time I get to preach and to teach your word, Father. There is something that just brings great fear to me, Lord. And you know, Father, that I need you right now, Lord. I pray right now for your strength. Father, and for your mercy that I will be that I will be clear and concise, Father, with the message. Father, that I would not get caught up in any working of words this morning, but that your word will be heard and it will be proclaimed, Father. And even then, Father, I pray that as I speak words of truth in your words, that it would fall on fertile soil this morning, Lord, and that we would not reject the word, Father, but that we would accept it as a good gift from you. It is your grace even now that we get to sit under the teaching and the preaching, Father. And I pray now that you are as much with me now as you have been in my continual study of the word, Lord. And I pray that you are with each believer here as the day when you called them, Father. And I pray that you equipped us rightly today to do your work and to do your will, Father. Will, your, will you take great pleasure in these next moments, Father? Would you look down and say, well done, on the way that the word is preached and that the way that the word is received, Father, you have a word for us. Father, let me preach it. Let me teach it with conviction. Father, please continue the work in my heart this morning. 
Continue the work in my heart, Father. This morning, right now, I need you. Father, I adore you for who you are. Father, you can be clearly seen in the things that have been made. Every animal, every the sun, the moon, every star, every flicker of grass, every leaf on a tree, all the life cycles. Let us know, Father, that you are worthy and that you hold all things in your hand. And so we ought to adore you this morning for holding all those things in your hand. And that you've made each human being intricately, Father. You've made us. And so we adore you for that. And then we adore you for your love and your compassion and the way you chase after us, Father. We adore you right now for not crushing us in the midst of our sin over the last six days. Like that's enough to say hallelujah to. And we adore you for that, Father. We rightly confess our sins to you. So that you will speak to us this morning. Sin clouds our judgment. So we confess it. Sin clogs up our ears so we confess it. Sin makes us want to glory in ourselves so we confess it. Father, as your word takes root, we'll be careful to give you all the praise and all the glory. Father, be with me now. Be with us now. Let your word be proclaimed. In Jesus' name, I pray and believe. Amen. Amen. What then are we? If I could pose a four-letter question and give you a four-word, four-word question and give you a four-word answer, it would simply be, we are God's possession. What then are we? We are God's possession. I liken it to a husband and a wife. At the moment the, the bride walks down the aisle, the husband is standing there, and they don't quite yet make up one union at that moment. But the moment that they consummate, the moment they say, I do, the moment the, the vows have been spoken, the moment the rings have been exchanged, the moment that they, that they sign on the dotted line, at that moment they are one another's possessions. And that is a covenant that an individual, two individuals, have put themselves into, and then they walk in that until death do them part. And so what makes us God's possession? What would make a husband and a wife one another's possession? It is the fact that they have proclaimed with their mouth. They have said it with their heart. They are doing it with their actions that we are one another's possessions. God, our Father, by the power of his Holy Spirit, has set in our hearts, and we have become his, and he has become our possession. He is ours, and we are his. And because we are one another's, and he owns us, and we respond to him, we ought to. Live like we belong to him. We are God's great possession. And Paul, in his letter to the church at Corinth, in the first letter that he wrote to them, he wrote two letters to them because sometimes things need to be addressed twice. Just sometimes. Things need to be addressed twice. And so one letter was not sufficient for the believers there. He had more issues that he needed to address. More particularly, he wanted to remind them that we should remember God and that he possesses us. As we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 to 9. And if we are not careful, we saw this in our Sunday school lesson in Genesis chapter 11 today. If we are not careful, we will think that we own ourselves, that we are our own possession, and then pride and jealousy builds up in us, and we think we are better than what we actually are. And so Paul was writing as a warning to the church in Corinth. Hey, remember, there's the warning. 
Sorry, microphone and sound, people. Re remember who you are. Remember whose possession you are. What do we learn about God the Father? Because we serve a triune God. And if you don't know what I mean, we serve a Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. The three in one, the one in three is who we serve and adore. So what do we learn about God the Father? The Lord assigns tasks to each of us, and he makes everything grow. Not only does he give us our task, he also makes everything grow. We'll hash that out a little bit more. The Lord also assigns us our spiritual gifts. It is him. It is him. He is the gift giver, both natural gifts and spiritual gifts. He gives them to us. The Lord makes things grow. The Lord gives us our wages, and everything belongs to him. What do we see about God the Spirit in this passage? We see that it is through the power of the Spirit that we come to know God. No man can call himself. No woman sitting in this room said, hey, you know what? I want to get to know God, and because that God is going to make himself known to me. And wrong. God, through the power of the Spirit, reveals himself to each and every one of us. We don't have the power to call ourselves. And we'll see that our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, worked out all of these things perfectly. He worked every single one of these things I'll highlight today. Jesus Christ worked them perfectly. Stand with me as we read the word of the Lord in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 to 9. The question is, what then are we? The short answer to this is we are God's possession, and I'm going to make sense of six things that Paul points to today in the teaching of God's word. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 to 9. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believe, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God <laughs> who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters, they are one. And each one will receive his Wages according to his labor could be her wages according to her labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. And the believer said, Amen. Amen. Paul opens up here. Here, here, here. here are four points of application for my note takers. Application point number one. We should not Resist the spirit. We should not resist the spirit. We should not. The Holy Spirit is in constant communication with the believer. You know it. You, you know him when he's speaking. I pray you recognize him when he's speaking. He's the one that gives us the clarity to make the right decision. He's constantly speaking on what we should and you should not do. So don't resist the spirit. We see that in verse 5. Application point number 2 we see in verse number 6. We should serve the Lord by planting or watering. And then we watch and we wait for him to give the increase. Application point number 2. We should never find ourselves, whether 5 or 65 or 95, sitting on the sideline. Application point number 2. We should serve the Lord by planting or watering. Application point number 1. Don't resist the spirit. Application point number 2. We should serve the Lord by planting and by watering. Application point number 3. We should remember who we are as compared to God. We need to remember who we are as compared to God. 
not who we are as compared to one another, but we should remember who we are as compared to God. And then the fourth thing, which is very, very encouraging for me, is that we should remember we belong to God. And we see that in verse 9. Application point number one, we should not resist the spirit. Number two, we should serve the Lord by planting and or by watering. Application point number three, we should remember who we are as compared to God. And number four, we should remember that we belong to God. Six things, saints, that we are. Paul opens up with a question. He says, what then is Apollos? Because people were saying, Apollos is this, and Paul is that, and I want to follow Apollos, and I want to follow Paul. I want to follow this pastor, or this preacher, or this ministry leader, or that ministry leader. He says, what is Apollos? <laughs> what is it? In a practical sense, let's go to Acts to see who Apollos was. Let's go, let's go to Acts chapter 18. Let's see who Apollos was. Acts chapter 18, and I'll read a few verses for your hearing. You, you can earmark it. Acts chapter 18, Acts chapter 18, verse 24, says this. Now a Jew, he was a Jew, Apollos was a Jew, named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was, here, here are some words that the Bible uses to describe Apollos. He was an eloquent man, competent in scripture. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and he taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue and when Priscilla and Aquila, a man and a woman, heard him, they took him and explained to him the way of God more accurately. So here we see Apollos who was an African first you know, Alexandria is in Egypt. He, he was from Africa. He was an African scholar who was eloquent, who understood rightly the word of God. He loved God's holy and righteous word, but he also understood they needed some tweaking and some training. And so a man and a woman, which is very, very important for us in this context, a, a husband and a wife sat down with him and said, hey, listen, let us further explain the scripture to you. And he was sharpened. By that, we can go to Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 to 13, and we can read about all that Paul was. So we understood, listen, Apollos was a man full of the Holy Spirit. He was a bold speaker, a bold teacher, and he was taught and trained further by a man and a woman, which means there is always room for us to grow. And if we ever wonder what we ought to do as a husband and wife, I'm not saying everybody is called to be a teacher, but I think it is always okay for us to open up our homes, to open up the Bibles and further explain the scriptures to brothers and sisters who don't quite fully understand it. It's our, it's our biblical responsibility. Who was Paul? Paul was once Saul. Hater of God. He describes himself in 1 Corinthians, 1 Timothy, I'm sorry, as an insolent, haughty, boastful opponent of Jesus Christ. He wanted to do everything he could to destroy Christians. And then God called him, cracked open the sky. Literally, Jesus Christ said, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> I need you. I want you. Come do my work. Saul on the Damascus road became Paul and he, was, he describes himself as a Hebrew of Hebrews and Israelite of Israelite and he, he said you know what and he, he, here's the beauty in Paul he said I count all that stuff as rubbish all that's a loss all that's a loss none of that's anything who I am what I've written what I've read all that's nothing as compared to knowing Jesus Christ so what then is a Paul? What then is Apollos? What then is Paul? And then Paul simply says hey listen you know who we are? 
You know what we are? We are servants. So what is the first things that we are? There are six things that I want to tell us that we are. The first things we are is we are servants. We are servants. We are servants. We get what a servant is. A servant does what the master tells them to do. Can I go to a restaurant, serve a come for you? What would you do? You raise your hand. You raise your hand. And they come to you. And they say, what is it that you need? And you give them the order and you give them the direction and they go back and they take care of it. And you raise again, hey, hey, what do you need? They come back and you give them another order and they go on and do what you tell them to do. Well, well, we constantly go to the feet of the Lord and say, Lord, what do you require of us? We hear his word and then we do what he tells us to do because we are his servants. We belong to him. Servants through whom you believed. Now check that out. This is good for us to understand and know here. Because they are servants through whom other believers came to know Jesus Christ. But we know that it is through the power of the Spirit that all of us believe. We cannot hear unless the Holy Spirit opens our eyes. We cannot see unless the Holy Spirit opens our eyes. So as much as we pray for those wayward folks, every single one of us probably have somebody in their mind that you say, I wish they were in church with me today. I wish they were sitting here. We know that it is only through the power of the Spirit that that person that you are praying for comes to know Jesus. What then is Apollos? What then is, uh, what then is Paul? They are servants to whom you believe as the Lord assigned to each. You can go to John chapter 16, verse 13. You see Jesus Christ talking with his disciples. And he explains to them this in John chapter 16, verse 13. He says this. But when he, the spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth. How do we get to know truth? We get to know truth through the power of the spirit. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. Saints, we don't believe on our own power, but we are set in place to serve a holy and a righteous God. Now, here's the deal. The Bible said, as the Lord assigns to each. Sometimes we ain't happy with the assignment the Lord gives us. We ain't happy with the assignment that he gives us. I heard our football coach yelling yesterday while I was at a K-State game. I heard him yelling, do what it was that we practiced. Do what it, do what it is that I told you to do. You cannot run your own routes. I'm talking about football. They're supposed to run this way and they want to run that way. Do what we practice. But here's the deal. The athlete, he, he, was not, he was not happy with the position, with the route that he had been assigned. So he started doing his own thing. And, and nothing but chaos came of it. Nothing but chaos came of it. If the coach is telling you to run this way and you run that way, it's not going to work. If the Lord tells you to go this way and you go that way, it is not going to work. We do what the Lord has assigned us to do. I remember being a first grade teacher. I go around and everybody get their jobs for the day. You're the pencil sharpener. You're the door holder. You're the line leader. You're the caboose. You're the lunchroom helper. You're the office, you're the office worker. You do all those things. And, and lo and behold, you get to somebody and say, I don't want that job. Well, that's the job you got this week. And take it. And do well. And if you pout, I'll find somebody else to do it. And that's often what happens to us. The Bible said the Lord assigns and the Lord gives us a job. He gives us an assignment and we pouting. I'll give it to somebody else then. 
I don't need you. He says it much gentler than that. But he says, I don't need you. The Bible says the Lord assigns here in verse 5. And so now, here's something for us to think about. What gift is it that we have? What task has it that we've been assigned to? And are we continually working that process out? Are you doing what the Lord has assigned you to do? And whether you are an 8-year-old believer or an 88-year-old believer, you have an assignment, you have a task to do. Don't think that you've reached a certain, you've reached a certain point that you have no more work to do. Wrong, 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 wrong. Keep working. Keep working. Keep working. We work to bring God glory. We are his servants. As the Lord assigns to each. Verse goes on in verse 6 to say this. Paul is is pointing a little bit more in verse 6. He says, listen. He says, listen. I'm just Apollos. I mean, I'm just Paul. Apollos is just Apollos. We are servants to whom you believe as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. Did y'all check that out? The planting. Paul literally planted the church. Right, so the whole the whole big deal in planting is not a big. It is a big deal in planting church. Paul was a church planter. He planted churches and he moved on. He planted the church and he moved on. He's literally saying, "Listen, I planted the church. I planted the seeds of you all knowing Jesus Christ deep in your heart." And then Apollos came along, and now he's watering you. And we ought to be excited that he's watering us because now we're growing. Paul can't want to be Apollos. Apollos can't want to be Paul. They just work well together. Some plant, some water, but. God gives the growth. So the first thing that we are is we are servants. Are you planting and are you watering? Now listen, planting and watering may look different depending upon where you are. Depending upon where you work every day. Depending upon the people you see every day. But you ought to constantly think of yourself as a seed planter or as a waterer. If you have the visual image of like having a backpack or a bag or a satchel full of seeds, wherever you go, you're just planting them. You're just planting them. You're dropping them along the way. You're dropping them along the way. Seeds of God's word. That's what I mean by planting seeds. We're planting seeds of God's word in the hearts of people. And then what we pray is that somebody will come along and then water those seeds so that they could grow. We plant. He says, I planted Apollo's water, but God gave the growth. Here's, here's the point here Paul is making in verse number six. Not man, not the planter or the, or the waterer can make anything grow. It's not possible. You can't, you can't will stuff to grow. You can plant as many seeds as you want to. You can put as much water as you want to on those seeds. You can sit and say, grow, 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 grow. The seeds shall not respond to you. I don't care how good of a farmer you are. The seed will not respond. Seeds respond when the Lord speaks. Both natural seeds and then spiritual seeds. When we plant seeds and we water, we wait on God to give the growth. And so here's what's important for us to know. Then Paul makes his transition into verse 7. So, he who plants and he who waters, they're nothing. And this is in no sense to belittle us. Not at all. But we shall be belittled as we stand next to a holy and a righteous God. He created everything. He speaks 
some things out of nothing because that is what he does. That is who he is. So he who plants or he who waters is nothing. Like we are nothing as compared to God. I'm just a guy wearing a suit. That's it. Praying for the Lord to do good work in y'all's heart and in my heart. That's all I'm doing. I'm trying to plant seeds and water seeds and I'm praying, Lord, move, please. Because if you don't move, then there is no growth. So the beauty of working in the life of ministry is this. Yes, we work because we are servants and we're called to work and we wait and we watch God. That does not mean we don't plant. That does not mean we don't water. But what it does mean is we, as we plant and as we water, we are praying, Lord, please, please let these things grow. Here's the struggle of the believer. Here's the struggle of the natural man because God's timing is not our timing. And here's the deal. Here's the deal. Sometimes seeds don't quite grow as fast as we want them to. KJ had a little, little beam taped on the door. And we're watering this thing. He's like, when's it going to grow? I'm like, well, son, you seeds in there, put a little water in let some sunshine on it, and hopefully one day it'll begin to sprout. I'm sure it was not day one. But the water was working and the sun was working in, in, in that seed. And I'm not sure if it was day two, three, four, whatever. But at some point, we looked up for breakfast one morning. We say, hot dog. Hot dog. And what we didn't see was a tree hanging on the back door. That's not what happens overnight. But what we did see is a little flicker of a leaf. We say, that thing's starting to grow. The seed has been planted. We are watering it. And now the Lord is make naturally making this thing grow. That's the work of a believer. We plant a seed, we water them, and then we watch God do the work. Now listen, saints, let's be real. When the Lord called you and me, we didn't go from being a seed to being an oak tree or a sequoia. No, that's not what happened. We went from being a seed to a little plant. And then from a plant, our hearts and the word begin to take deep root in our lives. And as the word takes deep root in our lives, we become stronger, more conscientious, more sensitive to the spirit believers. And the Lord continues to work through us. So as we call new and younger believers whether they're 40 or 2 or 7, we say, hey, listen, we, we're going to wait for the Lord to begin to work in them. Turn with me very quickly to Psalms, verse 40 and 5. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything. Check out the Lord. We could we just, just scurry through many of the Psalms this morning, but in particular, I want to just sit on this one for a minute. Psalms 40, verse 5 says this. You have multiplied, O Lord, my God. Your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us, none can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. When we think about the wondrous deeds of the Lord, when we think about all the work. Listen, y'all, if we start talking about all the way the Lord has blessed us, if I just begin to ask us right now to call out the ways he's blessed us and taking care of us today, we would not have enough time today in order to do that. We just would not. If every heart was sensitive and said what the Lord wanted to be known, we could be here for days on end talking about how good and wondrous he's been to us because he has given us growth in our lives. He's given growth in the lives of our family members and friends. Y'all, we will be here for days on end talking about how good he is. The psalmist is saying, they're so good we can't even number them. So we do a few good things. <laughs> We're still this big compared to a big God. 
He does so many good things, we can't even number them. Can't even number them. What do you start when you start talking about how good God has been? Do you start when you look back down the quarters of your life when you were 5 or 10 or 15 or there? You, I don't know, but they're so wonderful, so numerous, we can't count them. The Bible tells us that, number one, we are servants in verse 5. Number two, we are nothing compared to God. We don't love like God loves. We love a little bit. Our love is typically based on how much or how well you're loving me. We don't care like God cares. Sometimes we only, we only care about particular things. We don't judge like God judges. All of our judgments are skewed through the lens and through, the, through, through, through an unholy and unrighteous lens. No, 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 no. He doesn't, he, he doesn't love like us. His judgment is not like ours. He is way better than we are. Paul says we are nothing as compared to him. Verse 8. Hear Paul say this. They were, there was divisiveness in the church. Paul writes in verse 8, he who plants and he who waters, they are one. What are we first? First, we are servants. What are we number two? We are nothing as compared to God. What are we number three? We are one. We are one. We are one. There should be no division in us because we are one. If we Here's where division starts within the life of the believer. When we do not let the Bible be the final authority in our lives. If we can collectively say the Bible is the final authority and we land on a particular scripture, then we say God is our final authority. We are one united under the, under the righteous scripture of God. There is so much bifurcation and bipartisanness in our hearts that the only thing that makes us one is the holy righteous word of God. You know what keeps my wife and I one in moments when we feud, when we say, what does the Bible say about that? And then we got to say, what does the Bible say about it? <laughs> Kennedy's growing up. She may think her way is right. Well, what does the Bible say about that? I don't care what you think. You're not God. I love you, but I don't care about what you think as it's compared to the scripture. If we have inter-arguments inter within the local body of the church, uh, organization, our ministry wants to do this, and another ministry wants to do that, well, what does the Bible say about this? I don't care how you feel. I don't care what you think. What does the Bible say? And the Bible is our final authority, and that's how we become one. If you turn to the scripture, the scripture gives us the answers that we need. Now, we may interpret certain parts of the scripture differently, but the spirit is not about divisiveness. <laughs> we say, well, I think the Bible says this, and I think the Bible says this, and then we say, Holy Spirit, give us peace right now. Give us one right here in the midst of this meeting. Let us see what it is you're saying, because God, you, would, you, would, you, wouldn't want us, you wouldn't want us to be divisive here in this moment. That's not, that's not how you roll, God. That's of the enemy. That's of Satan, Lord. So tell us right now, collective here, we want to be one. We want to do your work. What does this passage mean? And then we sit. <laughs> and then we sit, we wait. And here's the deal, though. Whoa. So, so here's the deal. When, when I taught in the school, and even when I teach now, we are not comfortable with silence. We, we are not comfortable with not knowing, and then we start making stuff up. <laughs> and ain't nothing worse 
Nothing worse than making up an answer when you know you don't know it. I'd be teaching in fifth grade. I'd be like, man, what's the answer to this problem? And I know, I, I know this student doesn't know. So you got to waste our time right now. I'm going to go to the board and I'm going to, I'm looking like, Lord, have mercy. Now, I know this boy don't know this. But you're about to sit here and waste our time and waste your time and become more embarrassed because you just don't even have the humility to say, I don't know. You're going to waste our time. And then so at the end of the day, all the student has done is wasted their time and wasted our time. But here's the deal, saints. We must be comfortable with silence, and then we must be still until the Lord tells us to move. You heard the flame song? Maybe you don't. I do. When the Lord says move, I move. Hey, y'all know that song? Cole, Cole, play that for us on the way out. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Anything you want me to, yeah, I do. And if it ain't from the Lord, then I don't budge. You don't budge. We get so excited that we got to do, we got to do, we got to No, 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 just sit, just sit. Paul is saying, you are one, just be one. Stop the divisive in the local church. The community's watching. Jesus Christ has said, they will know we are his by the way we love one another. And y'all ain't loving, and the, and the community can smell it because y'all stink. We are one. I got to go to the next point. Why is I talking about stinking people? Ah, so here we go. Point number one. We are servants. Find where you're supposed to work. Number two, we are nothing as compared to God. Point number three, we see this in verse eight. We are one. Paul goes on to say, he who plants and he who waters are one and. Here, here, here's how we move forth with fear and trepidation. And each one will receive his wage in accord, his wages according to his labor. Each one, each one will receive his or her labor, his or her wages according to their labor. Sometimes in group projects, you can like cheat off people's papers and boom, I probably said that before. You're like, hey, yeah, we all did it, but God knows how hard you work and how hard you ain't working. You can't fool God. He's not concerned about anybody else's work. He's thinking about you. What are you doing? And here's what is good and here's what is frightening because he's a God of justice and he judges right. Well, our judgments are wrong and sometimes we want to give more dues because, because we have the halo effect. We feel like a person has just always been good. That is not how he rolls, right? right? His judgments are righteous. His judgment, his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our ways. Thoughts are, he is better than us and he gives wages according to the labor. So, if God had to, I'm not talking about salvation here. Ain't what I'm saying. I ain't saying losing our salvation or getting salvation. If God had to pay you just wages for how you've been planting seeds and watering seeds, how much would he pay you today? If we could. We'd be like, here's the, here's the deal, y'all. He didn't say make them grow. <laughs> we got the easy part. All we got to do is just drop them. Drop them in Kroger's. Drop them in Myers. If I like Myers because the line's always short. <laughs> drop them in Myers. Drop them in Walmart. 
Drop him at Speedway, Thornton's, drop him at the gas station, drop him off at the, at the kids' bus stop with the other parents that are there, drop him off to the school teachers, drop him off to wherever you are, just dropping seeds off, just dropping them. It is not your responsibility to water every seed. It is not your responsibility to hover over every seed and watch every seed grow. We're leaving that unto the Lord. We just pray, Lord, you, you saw me dropping them seeds today. You see the messages that I'm using on social media. Lord, just make them grow. Just let them grow, Lord. We don't work for wages. We work because we love him. Don't get it twisted. But that's what he gives us when we do work. God is kind. He would not give us rewards based on the fruit, y'all. He just gives us rewards based on the seed planting, based on our obedience. And he gives wages. Verse number nine says this. I feel like you, you, verse number nine says, for we are God's fellow workers. It's the three other things we are. We are his servants. We are nothing as compared to him. We are one. And then in verse nine, Paul lays out three other things here very quickly. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's fellow worker. Every single thing you do in the local body of the church and outside the local of the body church, you are God's fellow worker. How many of y'all would want to work with you? Not just for real. You know your own heart. How many of y'all would really want to work with you? And God says, I'll work with you. <laughs> you know why? Because the Bible says we are his fellow worker. So Paul is painting this beautiful picture here that he owns us, he possesses us, but he's so loving and kind that he lets us partake in the work that he is doing. Like, that's nice. That's kind. It's like baking cookies and cakes with Kennedy and the kids, right? So I come in, I understand I'm doing it, but I'm going to let you enjoy this process too. Just stir that bowl up. You ain't buy the brownie mix, because that's how we make them. You ain't cut the bag open. You ain't crack an egg. You ain't blend nothing. You ain't do nothing. But you can come in here and you can take joy in this work with me. And at the end of the day, when we're enjoying this brownie, you say, look at what we've done. <laughs> and that's the imagery here. God does everything and we are co-workers with him. And then he goes on to say that we are God's field. You are his field, which means we ought to bear good fruit. That's what Paul's saying. As God, as he tends to the soil of our hearts, we ought to bear good fruit. So saints, what fruit are we bearing? And finally, Paul says, you are God's building. God's building. The foundation has been laid. We are building on the building. You are God's building. He totally controls you. He totally controls me. We are God's building. Six things we are. First thing we are. We are servants. How are you serving? Second thing, we are nothing as compared to God. Third thing, we are. We are one. We are co-workers with God. We are fellow workers. We are fields, and we are God's building. Here's the beauty of all of this, saints. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, did all of these things perfectly. 
And so he is our example. And so Paul asks a question, what is Apollos? What is Paul? And all that is so irrelevant right now. Jesus Christ did all those things perfectly. Wherever he went, he was serving. This is what he did. It's what he did. He was a servant. He understood who he was as compared to God. He and God are one. He understood that he was in the flesh. He was working out God's plan. He understood that God had the authority. He's praying in the garden of Gethsemane. And he says, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. God the Father said no. He understood that he was to walk in God's will. And that's exactly what he did at that moment. And he constantly pressed towards into the disciples. Be one. Be one. Be one. And don't be worrying about who's sitting on my left and my right. That's for, that's for God to decide. I need for you all to be one. I need for you all to strengthen one another. He was God's perfect fellow worker. He never did anything outside of God's will. He was God's perfect co-worker. He's so much so that he laid down his life for us. He laid it down. Now, why would he lay it down? Here's a word for some of y'all if you don't know Jesus. What do I mean by he laid it down? Jesus Christ was sinless, perfect, faultless, and God, since Genesis chapter 3, has required a blood sacrifice. He says, listen, there is sin and somebody needs to pay. Somebody needs to pay. And Jesus Christ said, I'll go. Send me. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. And he laid down his life. What do we mean by laid down? Because he had the power to keep it, the power to take it. And that was exemplified and showed three days later when he stepped out of the tomb. He was perfect co-worker. He was God's field and God's building on this rock. On this rock, Peter, as you've confessed it, as you've said it, the church will be built today. Forest Baptist Church stands because of the firm foundation that has been laid. Saints, what then are we? We are God's possession. Are you walking in his will? Are you walking in his way? Let me pray for us. God, our Father, we thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you for your love and your kindness towards us, Father. Father, if we are not careful, we will think that we belong to ourselves. If we are not careful, Father, we will think that we are more than we are. We will compare ourselves, Lord, to other people and become haughty and boastful, Father. But as compared to you, Father, we are nothing. We are totally and completely dependent upon you, Lord. Father, would you give us the capacity in this day to trust you? Would you give us the capacity in this day, Lord, to plant seeds where we need to plant seeds, to, to water the areas where we need to water, Father, and then watch you give the growth? Father, give us patience through the growing process. Lord God, we'll be careful to give you all the praise. Father, you know if there are people in here who have turned away from you. You know if there are unbelievers in here who have nothing to want to do with you, Father. I pray that you would speak to them right now. And that they would want to know more about your perfect son, Jesus Christ. And now he has paid the complete payment for their sins. Father, we are thankful for you. We are thankful for this moment in time. We'll be careful to give you all praise and all glory. In Jesus' name, I pray and believe.
Amen. This time I ask that you all please stand with me. If you've been around here for a while, you know what this time is about. Uh, but if not, I'm going to ask the deacons and other, and, and other men to come forward. And if you want prayer right now, I, I ask that you would come. If you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, like, hey, I'm, I'm done with, with the old stuff and I want to get to know him, you come on down, we'll pray with you, we'll talk with you about what it means to live a life holy and righteous unto God. And we are here for you. So as our men sing, and as all of us are praying, I ask that you would just come right now. Amen.